and welcome to episode three of The Jared White Show, WWDC, What Apple Did. I am, of course, your host, Jared White, and normally I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. But today it's all Apple because its Worldwide Developer Conference just kicked off and we get a week of goodies and exciting announcements from Apple and third-party developers around the world. So we'll dive into the big keynote that went on this morning and learn about what's new for iOS, macOS, and all the rest. You can visit my website at jaredwhite.com to learn more about this podcast and subscribe in your player of choice. But for now, on with the show. So Apple kicked off its Worldwide Developers Conference today with a keynote at 10 a.m. Pacific in San Jose. And Tim Cook took to the stage to start things off as he normally does. Uh, but first, before that happened, we got a video about, what was this about? Unique mammals making an annual migration. There was this voiceover talking about this nature scene, and it was done in this documentary style. And anyway, it was hilarious because it, it was basically a spoof video in a nature documentary style. Uh, all about developers making the annual migration to San Jose, to WWDC. Um, and it was funny to see some familiar faces in the various crowds that they showed. <laughs> uh, not the least is uh, the beard himself, Jim Dalrymple. Uh, he writes over at loopinsight.com and is uh, a well-known figure in Apple fan circles. Uh, so it was a funny video. And then after that, Tim Cook takes the stage, the crowd goes wild, and he goes into, you know, he goes into the typical spiel about the developer community, uh, 77 countries represented there, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, Apple has 20 million registered developers from around the world as part of their developer program now, uh, more than ever before. Uh Everything's always more than ever before. So, you know, some of these stats you have to take a little bit with a grain of salt, but it's still very impressive. Uh, they had 6,000 folks there, uh, quite a large crowd. So uh, I'm basically just going to go in order of the event and kind of run down some of the, the, main, the main points and the, the big milestones and the uh, most exciting announcements and then, and then give you some, some thoughts about those as we go along. Uh, so uh, I'll skip over some of the stuff about the App Store and Swift Playgrounds and the customers at the center of everything that we do and all the all the claptrap there and get right to the meat of this, which is the, the first of four platforms that Apple talked about today. Uh, and that was iOS. So we had uh, Craig Federighi come up, who's always a wonderful uh, presenter, uh, very charismatic and, and funny, uh, Hair Force One, as he's been nicknamed. Um, and first he ran through sort of this blast from the past series of screenshots of past releases of iOS. We've come a long way in visual design over the last number of years, uh, so it's always uh, quite interesting to, to see how things looked on the iPhone not so long ago. Um, but again, a bunch of impressive stats, which I'll skip over here. Um, so I thought it was interesting that the first thing that they really focused on for iOS 12 was that they were doubling down on performance. 
the direct quote was, it is, it is faster and more responsive. Uh, now, that that's not a hugely impressive bullet point, because most of the time, most software releases, they always say, it's easier to use, it's faster, it works better, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, with, with Apple, if, if they start out a presentation on a new platform and they have big slides saying performance, faster, more responsive, then you know that they're really putting a stake in the ground on this point. Um, so I thought that was really interesting uh, and even more surprising. When does this ever happen? They started out by focusing on older devices. For instance, they mentioned that for the iPhone 6 Plus, uh, which is a several-year-old model by now. Apparently, with iOS 12, apps will launch around 40% faster. The keyboard comes up 50% faster. Uh, slide to get to the photo camera is 70% faster. Uh, they talked about how the system is better optimized when under heavy load. So if you're doing a lot of things on the phone in rapid succession, switching between applications, bringing up share sheets, trying to transfer data... Um, you're you're going to see a lot less of a perceived slowdown as the as the device is struggling to keep up with things. Um, so that's that's really quite impressive that they've been able to improve performance so much. Not just for new devices, you know that that would be good. That that would be great to to say like you know for the latest iPhones that are available for sale today. Not, you know not the next generation, but what you already have bought recently. Performance has been improved. You know that would be a good announcement. But the fact that they're going back years to past generations of devices and emphasizing just how much better performance is for those. Uh, I, I really think Apple deserves a bit of a pat on the back for that one. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like Apple's obligated to build the best experience for old devices whenever they come out with a new OS. However, the fact that they are doing this, I think, is tremendous. And I really appreciate that they've uh, emphasized this so much in their announcements. Moving right along, a whole bunch of announcements about ARKit. Uh, the fact that Apple now runs the world's largest AR platform with their ARKit technology. They announced ARKit 2 with a whole bunch of new um, features, uh, most notably that you have persistent and shared experiences. Uh, in other words, you can have games where um, when you when you go into the game world in the augmented reality experience and, you know, you might move things around and drop things on your table and, you know, create new objects and do different things. And it's uh, a lot easier now for developers to make that persistent. So when you go into this experience later, everything is as you uh, as you had it set up before. And then with the shared experience, basically what that means is if Joe over here has a device and Jane over there has a device and they're both trying to play the same game together, they can look at the same scene on each of their devices. So when they're looking at, you know, like a table and say it's a table in their living room and Joe and Jane are on either side of the table, uh, Joe can look at, you know, some objects that are in this AR scene on the table and Jane can look at the same objects, and if she moves something, he'll see that move, and if he moves something, she'll see that move, and so that's pretty cool. But what really blew my mind was the demo that LEGO did. So LEGO has uh, a number of uh, special LEGO sets to build, like, big houses and different things that you can build when you get a whole set of LEGOs. And what they did was they had a table on stage 
with this physical Lego set, this big mansion-looking house. And, you know, this is real. This is in real life. But then when they looked at it through, uh, I believe they were holding iPads. And when they looked through the iPad, you know, looked at the iPad screen, they could see all this extra stuff surrounding this this physical set. You know, landscaping, um, you know, cars, people, other buildings that you can add. And you can basically have this entire game world built around your physical set. And you can have it be multiplayer, so you can have multiple people interacting with the same stuff you know, in this world. And you can even, this was really crazy, you can even like explode open this, the physical building block set here and like see things that are quote unquote happening inside it. it it's, it's almost impossible to explain. You really have to just watch the demo. So, you know, g- go find that part of the keynote. Maybe there's a clip on YouTube if you don't want, don't want to watch the whole keynote. But you got to see this because this is probably the best game demo I have ever seen on stage. It was extremely well done, and I was very impressed. Uh, next up for iOS 12, a bunch of improvements to photos. We have uh, improved search. You can get suggestions to search through key moments, people, places, categories, that sort of thing. Uh, multiple search terms are supported. Um, and there's a there's a For You tab, which I believe replaces memories. So in when you go into For You, it has memories, but it also has a bunch of new stuff. Um, it finds certain photos to feature based on various criteria. It might find things that are from you know different points in the past, and it might find things in different categories. And um, there are effects suggestions, so you can it'll like simulate putting some effects on some photos you might have taken recently that that it thinks will look cool, and you can play around with that. And it will even suggest photos that you can share with friends. So if it detects that somebody is, uh, you know, that it knows already that, you know, somebody else is in a photo you took and who that person is, it can suggest that you share a photo with that person that you have taken recently of them, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Photos are shared in full resolution now. It's not down res like, um, say, iCloud photo sharing typically has been. Um, So I hope any any sort of downsampling, you know, lower resolution photo sharing of any kind, I hope they've done away with that and all photos always get shared full resolution because that would be really nice. They moved on to Siri, talked a little bit about how popular Siri is. You know, they said they are getting 10 billion requests per month. So that's a lot of usage of Siri. Um, it's certainly not going away. And in fact, they have a whole bunch of improvements now to Siri, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, so the, the there's basically two things, uh, one of which is what I really like, and another one of which I'm, I'm sort of feeling meh about. Um, the, the, the meh one is the Siri suggestions. Um, so I've talked a bit about this before, uh, like on the, the last episode of the show, um, this idea that, that there's two different paradigms of computing. There's intentional computing, and there's ambient computing. And so Siri suggestions is definitely in the ambient computing side of things. It's Siri on its own, coming up with suggestions of things to do, like, hey, do you want to order this sandwich you've ordered before around lunchtime? Or, hey, why don't you call this person? They're having a birthday now. It's trying to be proactive in finding things that it thinks will be helpful for you. I am not interested in any of that at all. I don't want any suggestions cluttering up my lock screen. I don't want to go to Siri search and have a bunch of stuff get just random things popping up in my face. I'm probably going to turn any of that stuff off, um, you know, unless it works so incredibly well and is just 
amazingly useful to the point where I'm like, oh, wow, like, I guess I should be giving this a shot. But based on what they showed up on stage today, uh, I'm not a big fan of that. However, the shortcuts feature and the dedicated shortcuts app that they showed off, I am totally on board with that. Totally on board. It is really, really cool. And interestingly enough, a lot of it looks very much like it came right out of the work done by Workflow. Now, Workflow was an app that uh, Apple actually acquired some time ago. They acquired the team that built it along with the app and have kept both running. Uh, It looks like basically the Workflow team, uh, this is what they've been working on for a while now. They've been working on a new app that's like the next generation of Workflow, if you will. It's now called Shortcuts. And it's all fully integrated into Siri, which is really great. So you can basically define a set of actions in shortcuts and, you know, know, grab this data from here and manipulate it in some way and then send it to this other app over there and prompt for some kind of, you know, choosing some options the user might need to choose from. And, you know, you can set up all these custom processes and then you can trigger those from Siri and you can use custom phrases. So, you know, you could you could create a whole workflow, uh, or I should say a whole shortcuts uh, process um, to, you know, maybe help you assemble a bunch of content together and put it into a blog post and then send it off to some blogging software somewhere. I'm, you know, I'm just making up an example. And then you could say to Siri, set up blog post. And if, you know, if that's the custom phrase you chose ahead of time, Siri knows what that phrase is, and it gets your shortcut up and running immediately. This is, uh, I think, a a big step forward, not only for Siri, but also for the whole automation space. So if you're interested in automating things that you do on your phone or iPad, uh, and you've used Workflow in the past, perhaps, or you've just looked at it and thought, oh, I don't know what I would use that for, but it it looks pretty interesting, um, then I think uh, you're going to be really happy with what they've done with shortcuts. Updates to the news app, uh, nothing super fancy there. So I'm just going to move along through a few other things. Um, Stocks app got redesigned, not super interested in that. Voice memos, uh, this is actually pretty cool. Um, I've been using an app called Just Press Record because uh, all the little recordings that you can make with Just Press Record will synchronize between your iPhone and iPad over iCloud. Uh, and you can even use it on your Apple Watch. Um, but now they have voice memos on iPad, and as we'll learn later on Mac OS. Um, so if, if it works as advertised, I may just switch away from Just Press Record and start using voice memos again. Uh, so this looks like a, a really nice update. iBooks is now Apple Books. Uh, looks very much like the Apple Music sort of design paradigm, which is nice. So there's now parity between you know, the App Store Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and now Apple Books. So, uh, you know, probably not a a huge update overall in terms of when you're actually reading books, but in terms of discovering new books, uh, you know, finding both audiobooks and and e-books, having this new design is very welcome. Um, And uh, as the lady said on stage, that's it for our app dates. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how that joke made it through, but uh, <laughs> they said it, so uh, so I'm saying it too. Um, speaking of which, I just want to point out, and my wife actually made note of this, um, there were a lot of women on stage today presenting, uh, so it wasn't just a sausage fest. 
Uh, and I, I always appreciate that. You know, Apple has gotten criticism, and rightly so, for having white males do all the presenting in, in past events like this. And so, you know, the more that they can have uh, people of color, the more that they can have women on stage, you know, the more diversity overall that they can they can show, you know, from their their various uh, teams and the leadership that that comes out on stage at these events. Uh, it's it's great. So. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad they're continuing to make progress on that front. All right, coming back from that aside, uh, the, the next big set of things, which was really like a whole collection of announcements in iOS 12, which I really think bears some some serious discussion of, uh, and that is all the updates to notifications, to do not disturb, and then some new features uh, called app limits or allowances, screen time, and basically. I won't go too much into all the specific details of all these announcements because, you know, I want to keep the show relatively short. Um, so I just want to say what Apple's doing here is they're trying to make our phones, you know, and iPads, of course, uh, less just obnoxious, distracting, or worse, addicting. So, you know, with the new features like app limits, you can set limits for yourself. So you can say, you know, I only want to be able to use Facebook one hour a day. After that one hour, I want it to prompt me and say, you know, you're done using this app. You cannot use it anymore. Um, you know, if you really want to override that and keep using it, you can. But, you know, you're proactively deciding how long and for how much you want to use various apps. And then you can set these limits for yourself. Uh, so I think that's tremendous. But parents around the world rejoice because now you can set limits for your kids and how much they're using various apps. Uh, so if your kid has an iPad and she's always using YouTube, I speak from experience, and you want to set a limit so YouTube can, you know, she can only watch YouTube for a half an hour and then, you know, that's it and it'll be blocked and it needs a parent to override that, that, uh, that limit if necessary. Uh, that will now be possible in iOS 12. And not only that, but you get these really cool activity reports. So you can see, like, you know, what the usage patterns are, you know, how often uh, you or, or, you know, someone else on your family plan, how often they've used various apps. You can live access to movies and websites and various things as well that are all part of this, this uh, new system. Uh, screen time is basically a, a, a weekly summary that, uh, you know, you can, you can go into and, and look at all these insights. So, so that's all absolutely fantastic. I think it's going to be a huge step forward in, in curtailing some of the, the excess and some of the, the worrisome trends of, of uh, smartphone addiction and, you know, children just being too distracted because they're, they're glued to their screens and, you know, not doing anything else. Again, I speak from experience here. So <laughs> basically, my wife and I, we were both watching the keynote today, and we were just like, yes, cheers. Very, very exciting. Um, and notifications have been redesigned to, to group things by apps or by topics. And there's a bunch of uh, new things you can do to sort of triage which notifications you, you get regularly and, and how often. And so anyway, basically, all these different features boiled down to you know, Apple's doing what they really need to do at this point to help us as users of these devices, you know, control how they're presenting information to us and how often and off, how often we're using things on these devices. Uh, you know, all this extra control and um, 
you know, monitoring is, is really, really welcome. So, you know, honestly, if, if this was the only feature of iOS 12, if all of these new, uh, you know, monitoring tools and, and limit tools and improved notifications, if that was really the only new feature in iOS 12, I would be pretty happy. So the fact that this is just one of many new things is really great. All right, we're not done yet. There's a whole bunch of improvements to messages, new Animoji characters, tongue detection. I actually don't have an iPhone 10 myself, so uh, I wasn't paying super close attention to a lot of what they're doing here. But um, my wife got very glued into the Memoji announcement. Uh, she thought it was really great. She was like, she kept motioning to me like, are you looking at this? Are you looking at this? You can create your own character. You can customize your own character. It's so awesome. And then, then my kids came in and they were like, oh, we want to have this too. Let's get an iPhone 10 right away. So <laughs> I think uh, Memoji is going to be a huge hit, uh, judging from the reaction of my family. Um, not, not a big deal for me personally, but I know a lot of people out there are going to be hugely excited about this. Um, and messages camera has, you know, the camera that you can pull up from inside messages. Uh, you can do uh, an emoji and various new live effects there, which, you know, honestly, is going to be a bit of a competition now for Snapchat, I think. Uh, I think a lot of people, instead of going into Snapchat and fiddling around with all the filters and effects there, they might just go right into messages and use that. Um, so uh, it's interesting to see Apple improving in this space. Um, and speaking of group communications, FaceTime. I don't know if anyone was really uh, you know, putting a whole lot of stock in the idea that Apple would give FaceTime a huge upgrade. So this came as a bit of a surprise. Um, but yeah, not only has FaceTime been expanded to groups, so it's not just two people, but it can support up to, get this, 32 people. Yes, my friends, you can now have a 32-person FaceTime group call. I have no idea why you would ever do that, but apparently you can. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's integrated into messages as well. So if you already have a group chat going on in messages, you can just start a FaceTime call right from there. Uh, and I think, honestly, that's that's the way it should have worked all along. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I never want to go into a dedicated FaceTime app. And I, I always get annoyed when like FaceTime just kind of pops up in my face all of a sudden. It's like... You know, wait a minute, like, you know, where did this come from? Who's trying to initiate this? It'd be so much better if someone was texting me and say, like, hey, you know, are you ready to do a FaceTime call right now? And I'd be like, uh, give me five minutes. Okay, I'm ready now. And then poof, like, we're just jumping right into a FaceTime call, you know, right from within messages in that conversation. You know, that's how it works in places like Skype or Slack or other apps. You know, the calls kind of come out of a group chat context, so the fact that you can have FaceTime just come right out of a messages context, I think, is a huge step forward in, in usability here. Craig Federighi did a big demo of this on stage. Uh, that, that went really well. I thought it was a, an excellent demo. Um, Max is going to support these group calls as well. And uh, even the Apple Watch will support, you know, not the, you know, the, the visual side, of obviously, but, um, but audio support for FaceTime will now be supported on Apple Watch. And that's a wrap for iOS 12, and we'll move right along now to the next platform that they, uh, they showed off. That was Apple Watch. Again, starting out with a bunch of stats, number one in customer satisfaction, or cust stat. Uh, Tim Cook and co. love their cust stats. Um, 
they did a pretty touching story about a sort of a, a medical miracle that was made possible due to the Apple Watch. Um, a lady was able to save her husband's life because uh, she uh, was able to to use the Apple Watch to call emergency services, and she didn't have access to her phone. And you know, you hear about a lot of stories like that out there. So, uh, I really think this is one of the the, the key perks of of having something like an Apple Watch. Um, lots of new health and fitness features. Um, you know, improvements to the, to the activity rings and challenges and that, all that kind of stuff, you know, new ga- gamification features. Um, I, I don't really get into all the gamification set of things. Um, I'm not into competitions. I'm not going to try to challenge a friend to, you know, how many push-ups we can do or how long we're going to be on a, you know, a bicycle at the gym or whatever. So, um, you know, for, for some people, this is awesome, but, um, not not my cup of tea. However, for the workouts, which I, I definitely use this a lot, um, the, the workouts app, you can now um, do a hiking workout, which is cool because that's one of the primary ways I like to work out is to just go for a hike. So if you're going up steep terrain now, uh, it, it can kind of figure out like, oh, you're going up the side of a mountain and it's, you know, getting your heart rate way up. So, you know, this is more than just a walk. So, um, you know, it's going to give you more accurate workout statistics uh, from doing that. Um, and the really big news here, which I'm super excited about is it will detect when you start working out or when you stop working out without you really having to do anything. Um, now this, I gotta say this, this is one sort of quote unquote ambient computing sort of thing that, that really is great. Cause I don't know about you, but I have forgotten to turn off a workout so many times, or I've forgotten to even turn it on when I am starting a workout. And then I'm like, oh man, like I've just been exercising for 15 minutes. I forgot to start my workout or, oh man, I, I finished my workout and walked back home and now I'm just sitting at my desk and it still thinks I'm out for a walk. Like it's going to get everything messed up. So now the fact that it can, you know, detect all of a sudden your heart rate's ramped up and you're moving or all of a sudden your heart rate is slowed down and you're not moving, it can, you know, use those sort of um, metrics to determine when you've started or stopped a workout. Uh, That is a hugely welcome improvement. New walkie-talkie feature. It works over cellular or Wi-Fi connections. Improvements to Siri watch face. All the improvements to notifications on the phone, you know, most notably uh, grouped notifications and things of that nature are now available on the Apple Watch. Um, Richer information, uh, even web pages. If someone sends you a message and a link to a web page, you can kind of see a little thumbnail of the web page right on your watch. Maybe even go into reader mode if it's an article and like read through it a little bit, uh, which is really cool. I never thought I would see the web on the Apple Watch in any way. <laughs> so uh, so that was very impressive. Uh, and also, wow, major improvement here for podcasting uh, and, and listening to podcasts. I mean, um, uh, you can use the Apple Podcasts app and sync all that from the phone to your Apple Watch and listen to podcasts on the go there, and that's a big improvement now. Um, but uh, the funny thing is they featured the connected podcast. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the folks over at Relay FM, uh, Federico Vitici, who I've talked about before on this show, uh, and his uh, co-hosts, uh, Mike Hurley and uh, Stephen Hackett, 
I, I can only imagine how they felt uh, in the audience or, or watching this online and seeing their podcast up on the slide as the featured podcast here on the Apple Watch. That just blows my mind. Uh, so congratulations to them. Uh, what an achievement. Uh, anyway, so a bunch of improvements to the Apple Podcasts app. But even more interesting, they didn't really talk too much about this on stage, but we later found out that uh, Apple has greatly improved in the new watchOS 5. Um, they've greatly improved background audio support for third-party apps. So presumably, any developer out there that has their own podcast app or you know some kind of app that plays things or you know music or or, you know, audio or anything, um, they now have a, a rich uh, support for background audio on the Apple Watch. Um, so, um, you know, if you're using Castro or uh, Overcast or another third-party podcast app, uh, maybe in the not-too-distant future, once WatchOS 5 is out and they've updated their apps, uh, it might be fully supported. So that's a big, big improvement. A little nod to uh, the Pride Festivals going on right now. A new Pride band for the Apple Watch with an accompanying watch face. So um, this is uh, this seems pretty direct for Apple compared to you know in the past they haven't really made too much of a big deal about um, you know Pride movements or whatnot. But um, it was interesting to see this. Um, so that's it for WatchOS, the new WatchOS five. Um, I'm going to skip over tvOS, not because I'm not excited about it, uh, but because we're really running out of time here on the podcast. And what I'm most excited about is the Mac and Mac OS, because I use a Mac every day. I make a living doing things on my Mac, like developing software. I'm recording this podcast on a Mac right now. So, you know, for me, it's Mac, Mac, Mac every day. Um, so, you know, excited about updates to tvOS, but I'm just going to skip over that. Uh, straight to macOS. Um, I really appreciated how they started out the macOS segment. You know, they, they Tim Cook came out on stage himself. You know, it was kind of an interesting moment. Like the CEO of Apple is back on stage, and he really emphasized that you know the Mac has been around for more than thirty years now, and it's allowed people to create all kinds of amazing things. It, you know, it's really a, a great platform for creativity and innovation. And, um, you know, obviously all developers creating great software for iOS devices use Macs to make that software. Um, and, you know, they have a robust uh, pro users community who use apps like Final Cut Pro and Logic. Um, so, you know, I just want to mention that for a couple years now, maybe longer, uh, we've heard a lot of grumbling in the pro community thinking that Apple doesn't care about the Mac anymore that they don't really want to support the Mac anymore. It's a dying platform. Apple's going to put all their focus on iOS now. And I feel like over the last year especially, Apple time after time after time has been going out of their way to like publicly announce, like, we care about the Mac. We want to support the Mac going forward. We want to push the platform forward. You know, They came out with the iMac Pro at the end of last year, which is a powerhouse machine. Uh, they're working on a brand new, like entirely new from the bottom up Mac Pro, uh, a fully modular, customizable machine. Um, you know, some people would say like years late, but at least they're doing it and they're committed to it. Um, and now the, this new version of Mac OS, uh, I feel like, you know, they, they really did a good job uh, emphasizing, you know, the, the, the importance of this new version of Mac OS and, and uh, all the effort that they've put into it. All right, so what is this new version? 
Well, we now have macOS Mojave. Uh, it's all about the beauty of the desert at night. Yes, my friends, we finally have a dark mode. All you have to do when you get this new version of macOS is switch from light mode to dark mode, and then all the, the window chrome, the menu bar, the dock, the icons, everything will completely change in, in all of Apple's supported uh, you know, system apps and eventually third-party apps once they get updated. Uh, and everything will be this dark mode. So you'll have you know, dark backgrounds with light text. Um, there are certain apps that you can actually get now for macOS that have just created their own dark mode. A lot of developer tools I've noticed all have dark modes now. Um, I often use quote unquote dark mode in apps myself because I, I just think it looks fantastic. So the fact that there's a system-wide dark mode now is, is for me, just a, a major, major visual update that I'm, I'm really excited about. It looks gorgeous. Um, and an interesting detail that wasn't really mentioned at all in the keynote, um, but we've later learned is uh, you can pick an accent color as well. So typically you ha have had either blue or graphite as this sort of color that you know you see on like buttons or checkboxes or when you select a menu item and so forth. Uh, and now there's a whole range of accent colors. So you can pick you know red, you can pick green, you can pick all these different colors. Uh, I believe that's true whether that you're in light mode or dark mode. Um, so yeah, a lot more customization here for the UI, and I think that's really great. The desktop itself is more dynamic now with these new wallpapers that will change throughout the day. So if you're in the middle of your day, you know, you might see this desert scene where it's like bright sun and the glowing sands. And then once you get towards nighttime, the, the desert itself will be nighttime now and the sand will be like a dark, misty blue. And so that's kind of an interesting thing. But they didn't just overhaul like what you can do with wallpaper on the desktop. They overhauled the frickin' desktop. I mean, this blew my mind. Like, the fact that Apple is making an update to, like, an interface paradigm that's been virtually unchanged for decades, it's just, it's crazy. So there's this new feature called Stacks, and basically it will group all the icons you have scattered around all over your desktop by things like uh, the kind of file it is or or the date or you can like have different things tags like you know a bunch of files could be tagged one thing and a bunch of other files could be tagged another thing and it'll now like put them all into these single icons called stacks and then you can just basically like pop up a stack really quickly and you know see things that are in the stack you can drag things in and out of a stack you can just kind of wiggle your mouse around like you might in like in a photo app you know when you see a, a photo album and you kind of wiggle your mouse and it like scrubs through the different images you can do that with files in stacks um so you know a lot of a lot of cool stuff here i think it's gonna it's gonna take most people's desktops that have just a bunch of junk scattered all over it like mine uh, and, and actually make it really fun to use and really useful. So, wow. <laughs> I never expected them to make any kind of improvement to the desktop like this. So, yeah. Very, very, very cool. Updates to the Finder. Also somewhat surprising. However, this new gallery view that they were talking about, uh, I think me and pretty much everyone else, was we were kind of scratching our heads a little bit going, uh, isn't this just kind of like cover flow again? Um, basically, you have this little strip of thumbnails at the bottom, and you have like this one giant view of a single file up top, and you can you know pick a different file in a folder and see this giant preview of it. Um, so I don't know. 
I, d I don't really see myself using gallery view, but maybe once I play around with it, I'll find some interesting uses for it. Um, however, the thing that they showed alongside gallery view, this updated sidebar that shows details and metadata and things about files, um, that's really cool. And you can use that with any view, not just gallery view. So um, this new sidebar is interesting. Um, there are different actions that you can kind of choose from to manipulate files with different ways. And there are now customizable contextual actions. You can use uh, Automator, which is a system automation tool that's been around on the Mac for quite some time. Uh, you can use Automator to create these different actions that are available now right from the sidebar uh, for different sorts of files. So um, this actually could make Finder, you know, a lot more useful and a, a lot more... Uh, uh, you know, give it some more smarts that it hasn't really had to date. Uh, improvements to Quick Look. Quick Look now has uh, all kinds of new markup features. Um, you know, lots of nice things you can do with PDFs right from Quick Look. Trim videos, tweak photos in different ways. The screenshots improvements is really nice. Uh, basically, like iOS 11 on iPad, you can take a screenshot and then you'll just immediately you'll get a little thumbnail in, uh, in the corner of your screen. And you, from there, you can do markup stuff and trim things and save it out wherever you want. And so, uh, you know, if you do anything with screenshots, this will be a big improvement. Um, uh, new video recording features to record you know, what you're doing on your screen that's kind of now built into this new screenshots update. So that's good. Um, continuity, this is interesting. This is interesting. You can, you know, select a placeholder in a document, like if you're in pages and you want to, if you want to scan something and like place it right inside your document on pages, you can use your iPhone. So, you know, you just, on your Mac in, in pages, you could say, take photo, with the, with the context menu. And then immediately on your iPhone, you, you print pulls up the camera on the iPhone. So now you can scan a document and poof, that, that image will now be placed in your pages document right on your Mac. Um, so, uh, you know, if you use your iPhone to scan in stuff a lot, or, you know, take pictures of things that you want to integrate into documents in any way, um, this is a really nice feature. Now, this is where things get very interesting, very interesting. All of a sudden, uh, at this point in the keynote, Apple started to trot out a whole bunch of new apps that have typically been only available on iOS. And they're now available on macOS um, in this new version of macOS Mojave. Um, Apple News, the, the Stocks app, the, it's, you know, the, all the new redesigned stuff they did there, uh, the new redesigned stuff they did in uh, voice memos. So you know, all these new apps looking very much like the iOS counterparts. Now on macOS, even HomeKit, even the Home app, you know, all the kind of stuff you can do when you pull up the Home app on your iPhone or iPad and you get all the different scenes and controls over different things in your home you can automate, uh, that's all right there on the Mac. So, you know, they're showing this stuff and I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, wait a minute, is, is this it? Is this the, the new framework everyone's talking about? The new way that you can develop an iOS and a Mac app at the same time? You know, the, the Project Marzipan or something like that that has been rumored for a while now? Like, are we seeing evidence of this? Later, it turns out, yes, indeed, we are. Um, but at this point in the keynote, they, they didn't make mention of it. So it was just this little thing of where I was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? Sneaky, sneaky Apple.
All right, a couple big things left for macOS. Uh, they made a whole big mention of new security and privacy features. Uh, they're, they're locking down more things on your Mac, like the camera or microphones, uh, sensitive files that are part of your file system. Um, you know, basically apps now need to ask your explicit permission for them to do anything with those uh, features on your Mac. Um, so, you know, I think that's a good improvement. Um, big updates in Safari, which is really interesting. Really, really interesting here that they've they've uh, doubled down on privacy in Safari. And basically, you know, if you go to a site that has things like Facebook like buttons or, you know, one of these other sort of like commenting systems or something that kind of, you know, it, it's a way of basically companies can, can track you across the web because all these different websites you go to that might have these commenting systems or these like buttons or whatever, um, you know, that's been a way for, for you to basically be tracked as you browse around the web. And so they're just shutting down all that stuff. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how the typical user reacts. You know, are, are people actually going to be excited about this or is it going to be annoying that they go to a website and they get prompted to, you know, do you want to share data with Facebook on this website? <laughs> are they going to be like, well, I'm logged into Facebook. I use Facebook all the time. Like, just, you know, do it already. Why do you keep asking me? Um, but for people like me, like, you know, I'm already, like, logged out of Facebook entirely on my browser by default. Um, I never have Facebook logged in as I'm browsing the web at this point. If I want to use Facebook, I basically pull up a whole separate private tab and, like, just log in a single time to Facebook. Um, so, you know, but that's me. I'm very privacy conscious this, these days, Um so, you know, any improvements uh, around privacy in Safari is fine by me. Um, they've also done a lot to curtail sort of a fingerprinting type mechanism. Um, there, there's sort of these sneaky ways that people try to figure out, like, that your device is unique and separate from some other device, and therefore they're tracking you around the web. Um, by looking at various system capabilities you might have, like, you know, what's your screen resolution and what's, you know, what kind of fonts you have installed and all these different things. Um, so they're, they're kind of locking down access to those sorts of things. So no surprise Apple's focusing, uh, once again on privacy and security here. Um, but, uh, on to sort of the last big announcement here for macOS, and that is an entirely new, entirely redesigned Mac app store. Yes, finally, finally some attention on the Mac App Store. Uh, it's kind of felt like a ghost town there for a while. Like developers were abandoning the Mac App Store. Not a whole lot of new interesting stuff. Apple wasn't doing anything with it, really. It was just kind of like, what is going on here? Has Apple just kind of given up on this or what? You know, what's going on? Um, but no, we have a big update here. Uh, now the Mac App Store will look very much like its iOS counterpart. Um, you know, great editorial content, um, all new design for the, the individual app pages. You get, you know, videos of applications and a better appearance for reviews and things of that nature. Um, you know, the design is, t uh, you know, the whole app is totally new. They're, they're, they're using this in development uh, framework that I'll get to in a moment to, to make it easy to share code between Mac apps and iOS apps. They're using that for this Mac app store. So it you know very much looks reminiscent of the the iOS App Store, which which is good because the the latest iOS App Store design I think has been a big success. 
Um, and probably the biggest announcement here is n- not just that the Mac App Store has been updated, but a bunch of new software is coming to it and, and actually coming back to it. So, for instance, Panic is bringing back Transmit. Barebones is bringing back BB Edit. Uh, Microsoft is, uh, I'm not sure if they ever had this before, but at any rate, they're bringing Office 365 to the Mac App Store. So um, so it looks like Apple, under the hood here, has been really putting a lot of muscle in uh, enticing developers to get on board. And so they had a whole string of announcements here, which is really quite impressive. So I'm really excited about you know what, what this means for the future of the Mac and sort of a, a shot in the arm for revitalizing the, the Mac app uh, ecosystem. Um, updates to Metal, which is a bunch of cool stuff around, uh, you know, support for external GPUs and better 3D graphics. So kind of skip over that here. Improvements to machine learning and creating uh, models for machine learning purposes. So, okay, so here's here's like the last thing. Here's the last big thing, and I've talked about it a few times already now. So so here we go. They 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 just address this question head on, and that is, are you merging iOS and macOS? Apple, do you have plans in the future for iOS and macOS to somehow get fused together and it'll just be one OS to rule them all? Um, And Craig Federighi on stage said, no, of course not. No, Apple is not merging iOS and macOS. macOS is going to remain entirely separate. It's going to have its own identity. It's going to have its own, you know, hardware and software story. But and here's a big but. The thing is, Mac users want access to some really great apps that are, you know, currently available only for iOS. You know, developers that are doing great work on iOS, why aren't they doing great work on the Mac too? Why aren't they bringing these iOS apps over to the Mac? Why can't we get the same robust, huge, giant, fully featured, supported set of great third-party applications on the Mac like we do on iOS? And so... Apple's working on an answer to that. Um, it's, a, it's just a sneak peek now. It's been a multi-year project. It's not available to developers anytime soon. They, they've announced that it's, it's going to be available basically next year. I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later next year, but you know it's possible it will just be whatever they're, you know, they're going to have rolling out for WWDC 2019. Um, but I'm hoping it's sooner than that. But at any rate, it'll, it'll be available next year. Um, and it's basically, a, you know, a new set of frameworks and tools to allow you to n- not necessarily write a single code base that just will automatically run on both Ma- iOS and Mac, but it's getting pretty close to that. Like, um, you know, I don't know if you could put a percentage on it, but let's say maybe, you know, maybe you could do like 85% or, or maybe 90% of your code once. And, you know, maybe a few tweaks after that that are platform specific but basically, a, you know, one project for the most part could be an app that compiles and runs for iOS devices and then one that runs for Mac computers. So Apple's been using it internally. This is how they brought all those apps that we talked about earlier to the Mac, like Apple News and Stocks and even the new Mac App Store. Like they're using these frameworks now internally to make it way easier to create apps that can be cross-platform between Mac and iOS. And so this is huge, 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 folks. I think this is is really great news for the Mac because it means that the, the Mac platform is is undoubtedly going to get access to a much larger pool of developers doing great software, 
And the more that there's great software available for the Mac, the more that people are going to want to buy Macs to use that software. And it's going to be familiar to them because it's the same software they use on their phone or on their iPads. And so, um, so I just think that this is great news. I wish it was available now. It's not great that there's a delay, you know, in the sense that it's, it won't even be available for third-party developers till next year. But, you know, even the fact that we know it's coming now and Apple's officially announced this, uh, this is huge, huge news for the Mac. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited about that. Uh, and that's about it. That that pretty much wraps up the series of announcements. You know, there's a whole lot of extra details and, you know, little tidbits and and things that um, were, you know, maybe in the keynote, but also not even mentioned in the keynote that are now coming out, you know, in various sessions and so forth. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's more news to come that's going to be interesting. But these are really the big tentpole features and uh, updates that Apple announced today. So all in all, I thought it was a good WWDC the fact that there were almost no rumors ahead of time about anything Apple would announce made it kind of bizarre in a way. Uh, basically, people were either afraid that nothing interesting would get announced or, you know, they, anyway, we weren't even sure what was going to happen today. So um, based on what Apple announced, I thought it was a good WWDC, maybe not the most impressive one they've ever had, but um, but I would say my expectations were were definitely exceeded. So... Uh, so yay for Apple, and especially yay for the future of the Mac. I, f- I feel like, you know, with both the hardware story and the software story, uh, Apple has, has given the Mac a, a much-needed uh, sense of revitalization and excitement. Um, and as a, as a hardcore Mac user, I mean, I listen, I love my phone. I, iPhones are great. I love my iPad. I really do. I, I, I want to use my iPad more, not less. But... At the end of the day, for me, it's all about the Mac. I love my iMac. I love my MacBook Pro. I use these computers every single day to do all kinds of cool stuff and, you know, get my job done and make money. Uh, I would, you know, I would be just a bum on the street if I could not work and make money and have a career by using my Mac. So, um, so I'm very grateful to Apple for this, this awesome computer platform, and uh, I'm excited to see it continue to move forward. All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in to The Jared White Show. Uh, again, you can visit jaredwhite.com to learn more about the show, listen to past episodes, subscribe to the show, and uh, I'll see you next week for episode four. And until then, have a wonderful week, folks. Bye. Bye.